Our faith influences our everyday life, and that is why theology matters. It's important we know what it is we believe and why we believe it. Join me, Cass, as we talk about theology and how it impacts our everyday life. We'll discuss cultural societal norms and taboo topics, all in light of biblical truths and standing firm in Christ. This is Her Theology. Hello, ladies. Uh, Sarah, I'm so excited to have you on. I have Sarah here from Pure Desires, which, which is an American organization that has been working to set people free from sexual addiction, including porn addiction and love addiction. Since when? When did you guys start? Oh, I should have looked that okay. up. <laughs> I should have looked that up too. It's been a while. I know Pure Desires has been around for a while. It has been a while, like maybe 20 years or more. Yeah. Okay. But you've been with Pure Desires since 2014, right? Yes. I have been with Pure Desires since 2014. I started one of their groups not knowing anything about Pure Desire. I was introduced to it by Ashley Jamison, who's one of the gals on our executive team. And at that time, she was just a volunteer leading a group for students, girls. And she said, Hey, you know, you lead students. I was a life group leader at our church. She said, you lead students. You should take this material and go through it with us. We're all going to do it. It's going to be so much fun. And we're going to, you know, understand the mind of a teen a little bit better. So I thought, yeah, sure. Let's do it. I'm all for growing a little bit, you know, and I joined in immediately confronted with my past that I had shoved under the rug for uh, over 20 years, 26 years was, I was uh, 26, 27 when I started this material. And so a long time did I shove everything under a rug and I was confronted with all of it and realized, you know, do I need to face this or should I quit? Ultimately, I decided to go for it and really face it. And I was the only one who decided to do that. The next Hmm. group meeting, everybody had dropped out. (laughs) And I I was left there alone. And me and Ashley just went through it, just her and I. It was, uh, I mean, my entire life changed. Yes. From that moment. Yeah. And I think for anyone I have spoken to that has done Pure Desires programs, uh, and that have actually returned to them. Um, <laughs> they will all vouch. I don't think. I think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone that doesn't agree that they are life changing. Absolutely, oh, yeah. yeah. Cemented in the gospel, all about gospel truths, but giving you really practical and and scientific based psychological methods yeah. to change. It's it's phenomenal. And so you yeah. now work for them, right? Yes. And I was brought on staff three years ago, a little over that. Love that. And had volunteered before that. I was one of the regional group advisors and I got to just help the leaders from around the world establish their groups. That then turned into a job and was hired on. I love it. I also get to still help leaders that are forming groups and I get to help train them and uh, give them the tools and the support that they need. And we have for the online groups, we have over 200 and for in around the world and for in-person groups, we, they're in the thousands. I mean, it is oh, really? absolutely amazing. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so 200 groups just online and then thousands face to face. Is that just yes. America or globally as well? Globally. And are we in, uh, we, I'm just owning pure desires. Like, <laughs> it's my ministry as well. It's Do it. Not. Uh, <laughs> Just to give some people context behind why, why I'm saying we, because my husband and I have been using Pure Desires content and doing their groups for the last yeah. five years. So it feels like it's like, yeah, I don't know. We, we've, I feel like we were one of the first in Australia actually um, through Bernard to, to really get on board with it. And so it's, it's been pretty awesome. But um, yes. is that mostly in America? or Because I know there's some groups in Australia that are face-to-face in America, but are, are we everywhere else or...? Yes, we actually, uh, let's see, I think it was 2018 or so, we had just started incorporating some online groups. And the only reason that was, was because we were getting calls from women all over the world needing help. 
and needing uh, guidance, but they were scared for their lives. Uh, They could not get into an in-person group. And so I had the honor of helping a gal from Saudi Arabia who was struggling with porn, struggling with masturbation, but could not tell anybody. She was terrified and reached out to us. I got to connect her with some women that were in America and then another woman who is a nun in Europe and same thing. She was struggling with porn and masturbation and could not get the material. Nothing was just hurting. And we were able to put them all into a group together to where then they could thrive and start working towards freedom, which is absolutely amazing to be a part of. Phenomenal. And the journey just starting from there, because then the women and the men that are having these online groups that maybe they didn't have a group in person before. Now they, they find that healing and they're able to then say, okay, I want to start a group now at my church or where I'm located. So we've had missionaries from all over that are taking the material and starting in-person groups there. And so the majority of them are in America. And I think that is just because the office is in Oregon in America Yeah. And that's probably just part of that. But uh, word has traveled around so quickly. And so now there's both in-person groups uh, and online just all over. That's fantastic. I love this. So as you can hear, ladies, if you are struggling, we're going to go diving deep into this now. But if you are struggling, there is so much help out there is the point. There are in-person face-to-face groups. I know in Sydney uh, and I have people that have already reached out to me and been like, how do I get involved in a group? And I'm like, let's just uh, uh, wait till we get a few more and then we can pin you all together. So um, there is help out here. So whenever you're hearing throughout this episode and you're going, yes, I'm struggling with this or I know someone, just know there is help. There's a lot of help as you just heard. Um, So why don't we get straight in, Sarah? Okay. I think, okay, so there's going to be, generally speaking, two people listening to this conversation. There'll be those that don't struggle with porn and masturbation Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be women that do. And I yeah. know it's actually probably more prevalent than we realize. Can you speak into that? Like, is there some statistics to highlight what this issue is? Um, I know this probably wasn't one of the questions I actually asked you <laughs> in <laughs> advance when I'm throwing you, under the, uh, throwing you a surprise, a curveball. Um, but yeah, just what's the prevalence and what is the issue? Because yeah, I think a lot of people just think porn and masturbation is a men's issue. And it's not. Right. It's not. Right. It's not at all. Now, even some of the statistics that we have in our materials, uh, we have a material called Behind the Mask. That one is specifically for the teens and college age. And it shows, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50 percent of girls that are struggling with sexting or masturbation, pornography, or even just harassment, things like that. That's all in the sexual realm. And uh, and those are outdated. Uh, unfortunately they, you know, we're in the midst of updating things and the statistics are even higher, which is extremely sad because when those statistics were taken, they were already what seemed to be very high. Yeah. And so the fact that they're even higher, um, you know, I, as a life group leader with like young women, I had a group where it was 20 women, 20 girls all, you know, seniors and junior age in high school. And only one of them had a father that was present. And the Mm. one that had a father that was present was physically and emotionally abusive to her. Mm. So the absence of a parent uh, and a father figure, and then the absence of a healthy parent, (laughs) father figure is plays a huge role in how, us as women are growing up and how we are learning to cope. And then when we look to social media and we look to movies and TV and we see everything being sexualized and Hey, this is how you can get love. Oh yeah. I mean, even like the bachelor, right? The bachelor, the bachelorette, all those different kinds of shows, they're all very fantasy focused and fantasy based. Many people, teenagers included and adults, look at movies and TV shows like that and don't think twice about it because it's entertainment and it's fun and it's really, you know, neat to watch. Right. Yeah. But um, even if somebody doesn't struggle with porn or masturbation, uh, there typically is a sense of fantasy that's in their mind. And it might not be something that is um, so noticeable until they start doing a lot of 
awareness exercises, mm-hmm. but uh, somebody that's watching, say the bachelor or the bachelorette, uh, I don't know the difference between the two, honestly, yeah. <laughs> because, because they're both the same pretty much, <laughs> but well, whichever it is. <laughs> we've got some even more messed up ones like Love Island and stuff over here where oh. it's like, Pretty much you just go to an island to hook up and I mean no. I actually don't know, I've never watched it, but I've watched seen the ads and I'm like, Yeah, what is going on with the world? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's what's in our minds too, as women. It's like it becomes subconscious the more mm. we watch things, you know, and it becomes subconscious. So a lot of women really struggle with uh fantasy books or fantasy movies. Yeah. And they um it can easily go under the radar as being something that's not bad because it's not porn. But it's, uh, if I were to coin a phrase to it, I would say it's emotional porn. You know, it is a a way for us to escape still and uh, instill that false sense of connection, which is really what porn does is it's a false sense of connection. It tells your brain, oh, you are connecting, you are bonding. And the, and the brain is just lighting up like a Christmas tree when somebody is watching, but then the moment it's over it's over. And then that's when you have that crash. And it can be very similar to fantasy world. Somebody can be drawn into a fantasy. And then the moment they're dropped into real life, it's right back to stress, right back to everything else. And so it can be really difficult. Um, The harder part that I found as far as how prevalent it is in the church would be talking about it. Um, Yeah. It being viewed as more of a man's problem, you know, it has that feeling of, oh, well, if I was a man and I came up to my pastor and I said, Hey, I'm struggling with this. They'd be all over it. They'd be like, okay, let's help you. And you know, you need to stop or here's resources and things like that. Hopefully they would at least help. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, cause even then I think some churches might not do that well, but yes, yeah. hoping for the best. Some churches, <laughs> Uh, yeah, they yeah. they really do a lot of what's called spiritual bypassing. The pray <laughs> that's more, a great, read that's a great. more. <laughs> yes, spiritual bypassing, pray more, read more. Thank you. Yeah. That is a great <laughs> term. I'm going to take that. It is good. It's uh, you know, and that's what a lot of the unfortunately leaders will do. And most of the time, it's not even on purpose. It's something that no. either they grew up with, yeah, or maybe they just don't know how to handle the situation. Hundred percent. Unfortunately. You know, I think it's around 60 to 70% of pastors are the ones that are struggling as well in with uh, sexual addiction and love addiction. And so with that being so high as well, you would have somebody that wouldn't know how to help either because they're also struggling and just trying to figure out a way to help without bringing attention to themselves kind of thing. Yeah. So that's where that comes in. And um, for women, when we seem to struggle. I think it ends up being something uh, very shameful in Mm. a sense. You know, Mm. you have uh, one part of society saying, you know, that's a man's problem. You know, men are like that. The generalization of men are discussing, which of course is not true, but there's that generalization. And then you have the, the entertainment side of things that, that encourages, oh, be sexual, sleep with whoever you want, dress however you want. It's your body. And it, there's no balance. <laughs> Where's the balance here? No. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is the thing. It's, there's so much room for growth. That's what I keep reminding myself. There's so much room for growth in the church yeah. with this topic because we want women. And like you said before, if you're a woman, you're not going to go to your male pastor. That yeah. would be... Well, I mean, maybe some women would feel comfortable with that, but I would say that's probably inappropriate because how is he going to help? And the reason why I bring this up is because in the programs I have done with Pure Desires, I did one called Unraveled, which was, um, again, phenomenal uh, content, really meaty and heavy, but really good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You get very emotionally exhausted at the end of a group. Yeah, you don't, it doesn't shy away. It does write it. (laughs) I feel like I thought I dealt with this stuff. Did I not deal with this stuff years ago? (laughs) Okay, Lord, I didn't deal with this stuff. Um, But uh, they talk a lot about men often, I mean, this is a generalization, obviously, uh, but men often, it's a sexual addiction, whereas with women, it's a love addiction. So what can yeah. you maybe explain like what the differences are and why that kind of plays into 
women need women to work through this and men need men to work through this, I guess. Oh, definitely. So uh, starting out with just the differences, sexual addiction is really more about the chemical uh, chemicals that are being released within the brain. So it's similar to a uh, dr- any type of drug addiction or anything like that. It's that chemical reaction that happens in the brain that that high is really what's the addictive part. Yes. And so um, typically what you find with somebody that has a sexual addiction, they also have a love addiction because something started it. And so yes, love addiction is that void that we're trying to fill, you know, God created us to be, uh, to be in community and to be in community with him. And when we are lacking that, it's natural to be reaching out for something. And um, then you tie, you add in trauma and sexual trauma. And now we have uh, our brain is perceiving love in a completely different way than it was supposed to. Um, which is really why we have to work on rewiring our brain and not just praying more or doing more. Right. And so we really have to work on uh, rewiring our brain. And, um, and when doing that, somebody that has sexual addiction can abstain and can be considered, you know, sober, just like you would with alcohol or drugs, any other type of substance abuse, Mm -hmm. they can abstain. And then, what they would end up having to do is actually dive into their trauma and figure out, okay, where did this start though? Um, because it, it wasn't just because, uh, I needed a high or I needed to, you know, it is like that. Um, but there's triggers, there's more triggers to it. So somebody typically doesn't just have a love addiction or a sexual addiction. It's normally both. Um, and then as far as love addiction, somebody can have a love addiction and not have a sex addiction. And the reason that is, is because they uh, really are just trying to um, gain that love and acceptance from those around them. And that can be learned as far as, you know, you see women that maybe be sleeping around with a lot of people. And a lot of times that is something where it's like, they're trying to find that connection. Um, It's not always, you know, uh, in just relationships. But a lot of times I'll talk with women that maybe they have one solid relationship and then they have all these other people on the side and that, and they're like, what is, what's going on with me? And they don't understand it and they hate it. They hate that they're doing that. They wish they didn't do it, but it's something that's happened. Something that they are seeing constantly. Someone from the outside might look at that and say, oh, they have a sex addiction. Of course, they just need to have it all the time. Uh, the reality is, you know, she probably actually suffers from a love addiction and isn't fe- feeling that fulfilled, that fulfillment and had been taught at a young age. If she is sexual, um, She'll that, get that receive will love. receive love. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that is really where it's rewiring that part of saying, okay, sex does not equal love. Um, and how can we figure out what, what do we need to unravel right untangle (laughs) it's a perfect title (laughs) yeah it is it really is yeah it is I I wish it wasn't almost because it's too hard to find a different word (laughs) but if somebody needs to unravel like all the different trauma that's happened to really try to figure out Mm. where did this uh the stem from where's the root of this once they figure that out and start working through that they'll find that they their sex life goes really back to normal they won't be um, sleeping around or masturbating all the time or watching porn all the time because it doesn't fulfill them in the same way. And that's just because that is geared straight towards the love addiction and not necessarily the chemical side of things. So if women are struggling with porn and masturbation, maybe they're not um, hooking up with anyone or sleeping around, but they maybe are just addicted to watching porn and self-pleasure, mm-hmm. would that that still be love addiction with a mix of sexual addiction you think as well yes yeah because what it is doing is with period with um, porn it is creating that false sense of connection and so um when we see anything that's like that um it could even be like a hot heavy makeout session it doesn't even have to be like full-on pornography you know but our brain is literally lighting up as if we were to have just taken a hit of cocaine. That is what's happening to your brain. And so 
when that happens, I know. And that's, and you know what? It's crazy because that'll happen if somebody is just kissing an actual person. So same reaction, right? Same reaction. So your body can't even tell the difference. When I talk with a lot of teens, I let them know, Hey, I know it's so fun to make out, but your brain literally thinks you're having sex. Like they think it's happening. It's going down, you know, like they, your brain doesn't know. (laughs) And come on girls, anyone listening, let's be real. That's yes. a real thing, right? Like, it is, yes. Yep. There's yep. so there's all this oxytocin that gets yeah. blown up into your brain, and that's like a bonding chemical. So what happens is then you see a woman that maybe her and a guy just made out, and that was really great. They part ways, and a lot of times you'll hear the guy go, "I don't know, she's crazy. Like she's like in love with me all of a sudden. All we did was kiss. We didn't do anything." <gasps> yeah. Well, that's because the same chemical reaction doesn't happen in a man's body or in a man's brain that a woman for a woman, that's what happens. And we feel bonded to that man. And so we literally can't help it. We can't explain it on what's going, how we're feeling exactly or why we're feeling that way. But that's actually why it's because of those chemical responses to just a simple kiss. And uh, it's, it's insane. So that imagine that. But then now you have digital, you have pornography yeah. that is not real. So then what happens is you feel that sense of bonding and, um, and it's always tied to some type of trauma. Mm-hmm. So it's bonding that is soothing something. And now the next time that woman or that girl is scared or bored or lonely, anything that triggers that wound, then you immediately go to, well, well what bonded it? You know, yes. what helped it? Which is a really good lead into the next question because I think that was something that really shocked me is when my husband and I started doing Pure Desires groups, I didn't realise that acting out to porn because I was watching the men's group like Conquer series and – I found that so insightful, even though it's for men. (laughs) Yes, it's so good. Just for like general life. It was amazing. It is. You can easily add add women in there. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, But it was really interesting to be like men, and again, transferable to women, we we act out and we watch porn or we self-pleasure, whatever, because we're reacting to a trigger in our life. And that trigger could be from pain and trauma in the past. It could also just be because you're tired or you're stressed, or you're depressed for a moment in time. Um, So I guess my question is, what, like, why, what, why, why are we going to something that we know is just going to end in guilt and shame as a way to medicate? And I love, yeah, yeah. I love that question because, and especially how you framed it, you know, a lot of our triggers don't necessarily actually have to be anything bad. So a lot, most of the time people will think, oh, well, I got stressed at work or somebody said something mean to me, or I was around family that I don't like, you know, whatever happens to me, those are all bad things. What people don't realize is you could drive down a street that happens to jog a distant memory and that be triggering. You could be bored. And that be triggering. It doesn't necessarily have to be something bad. And so as far as with boredom, there are, uh, you know, one of the guys with pure desire, he's used this example. So I'm just going to take that example, but with boredom, so say you're a kid and your parents leave the house and and you're able to be at home, you're 10 or, you know, 13, whatever you're home alone and you're bored. And you're just kind of like looking around the house and you happen to stumble across your dad's magazines. And they happen to be nude magazines. Yep. Well, so you look through them, your brain lights up. It's wow. What is this? Right. Excitement happens. And then immediately hide that because, you know, you shouldn't have been looking through your dad's stuff kind of thing. Well, now fast forward a couple of weeks, your parents are out of the house again, you're bored and you go, oh, you know, that was fun to look at. Maybe I'll just go look at that again. I'll do that again. And yeah. And then it becomes a pattern. Now fast forward even more. And that person is an adult. They have created a habit, really this, this bad habit to where every time they feel boredom, they won't even notice, but they will immediately be triggered to watch porn. 
And it just becomes this um, habitual action. Even, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but I um, have struggled in this area and it is the weirdest thing. You, especially once going through recovery, because you can, you're so much more self-aware when before recovery, most people are not as self-aware, especially if they haven't hurt anybody yet, because it's just something they're on autopilot almost. They're just doing it. And there's, they might feel the shame afterwards, but no dots are being connected. Once they realize they've hurt somebody, then that's where all of a sudden dots connect. And, and then that recovery and that healing process can start. But if they're still relapsing, what happens is your brain can be saying, why are you doing this? You need to stop doing this. This is not healthy. This is not a good decision. We should not be doing this, but your body is doing it. And it's the whole time. You can be, why is this happening? I don't want to do this. And there's just something that just clicks and disconnects to where then that person no longer has control and not saying that they can't control their actions, but there is a point where your body completely disconnects and, and it's just going to do what it's been taught to do really. Because um, you think a lifetime of doing something, right? whether that be 5, 10, 15, 20, for some people, 50, 60 years, yes. that's, that's hard to break. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is going to be the hard, harder than any other type of um, bad habit, you know, like we think biting our nails or something like that being a bad habit. This is uh, even worse because there still is a sense of reward or it's that satisfaction that comes out of it and then followed by shame. Right. Yeah. So it's that extreme yeah. high followed by an extreme low. And so it can cause, um, a lot of emotional damage, of course, but the goal, and especially with like unraveled and some of the other materials that pure desire has, the goal is not to, you know, duct tape yourself into a middle of a blank room and then never do anything with your life. It's, identifying the triggers, identifying the root to those triggers. So then that way you don't ever have to worry about getting to the point of no control, right? Yes. Getting to that, that point where you can't return. And that's what I love about the groups as well. Cause you do it with other women in confidentiality. There's, it's a really safe space and it takes time to build that safe space. But what yeah. is also so beautiful about that community is that when you come to the meeting and you're like, I relapsed, i stuffed up I did this um sometimes you can't see it you can't see the trigger but the beauty is when the women are on the journey with you like okay well let's weed through that day or that week or what was you know there's something really amazing about the community and how they speak in and see things that you just can't see sometimes as well oh it's oh yeah and then when you're thinking love addiction too you know when somebody is struggling with love addiction it's because they've been hurt by a person and yep. so when you would think about being hurt in community, you need to be healed in community. That is um, how it works, really. And it's exactly like you said, when we have that accountability, not only accountability, but also being able to say, hey, here's people that are looking from the outside, looking in and being able to identify things that maybe you wouldn't necessarily be able to identify. And then on top of all of that, I cannot tell you some of my favorite groups are the extremely safe ones, of course, with the amazing safe women that we have all divulged all these dark, like our darkest, deepest, darkest secrets. We are ready to take them to the grave. Yep. And then we feel, you know, it's those nights, the group meetings where you think you want to skip those ones. Yeah, where it's always, I would, it's always those ones. Always those ones. Satan. You feel like, well, I'm kind of sick or I'm really tired. Or maybe I shouldn't go. And you force yourself to go anyway. And you have to divulge something that you just feel, it makes your chest just hurt because you don't want to let it go. And you don't want people to know about it. But when you are doing that and then you are met with grace and love and compassion and women that I've I've been in group where I say something that I thought was just so horrible. And then all of a sudden a woman in the group goes same. And another one goes me too. And then we're all laughing about it. And you're like, and it's like, I'm not crazy and alone. I'm not. And I leave with this weight just completely lifted off my shoulders. And I have tried, uh, or I've, Throughout the years, that's the thing that I focus on. That is that feeling that I focus on so much because there are many, many times where you're like, ah, oh, I just don't want to go and I don't, this is hard. 
but then just knowing by the end of it, God's going to take that from me. And I just know that there's, and it's not just me, it's going to be all of the women, because if I skipped and say somebody shared something and I could have been that person to say same, yes. well, now yeah. they don't get that. So it, it works hand in hand, you know, and commit the community in it is so so important and that's scripture in action like we had to bear one another's burdens and then you know when Moses was to hold up his arms and the guys held them up for him you know that's this is that all in action like Jesus didn't need disciples like he didn't need anyone but he chose to surround himself with people to help on that mission you know to model what community looks like being honest with each other you know growing together and that's what these this is this is what healing looks like for this sort of thing you just I really I know unfortunately not everyone can have community but I cannot stress enough how important community is vital to the healing process yes yeah exactly oh yeah so with that said how like people might be listening to this and go okay so it sounds like a group's good or I need to be at least in community with like-minded people and all this sort of stuff and there's resources out there but what does the healing journey look like because I think some people might be really fearful going oh is it two or three weeks and I'm done (laughs) is this a one year and I'm done five years (laughs) 15 lifetime what like realistically what does the journey look like at I know that's hard to answer because everyone's got their own journey, but um, what can people kind of expect from that journey? Yeah. So I'll give you a general statement, yep. I guess, is what we at Pure Desire say. We say it's going to take about three to five years Great. Of a, to really see it change and improvement. Um, to get a little bit more detailed um, with my, and I'll use my own story to do that. Uh, I struggled with masturbation since I was around seven after experiencing sexual trauma. And then I started seeing, watching porn at 11. And then that became a regular basis thing once I was an adult and out of the house. So around 18 um, and 19. Yeah. And so that paired with uh, alcohol abuse and drug abuse, uh, also all throughout my teens and twenties, just, it was a recipe for disaster, of course. And so my, uh, I got married at a young age, 18, and he also struggled with that, but I had no idea. I thought I got the perfect man. Absolutely. The one and only. (laughs) Yes. A lot of women I speak to think that. (laughs) I know. right? (laughs) So we went through, uh, the first half of our marriage Mm. like that. I struggled with my addiction. He struggled with his addiction. We talked about everything, but those two things stayed in a box in the corner of our minds and we never talked about them and we didn't know about each other's struggles Okay, in those realms. So when I started Pure Desire in 2014, that was the door opening. And I remember I told him, I asked my husband, how honest should I be in this book? <laughs> and he, the only thing he knew of as far as what I struggled with addiction wise was the alcohol and drugs. And that's because that was much harder to hide. He was there for all of it. Yep. And he also saw me go through putting it down. And so at this point I had been one year sober of uh, substance abuse. Okay. And so he thought that that's what I was referring to is addressing that. And he goes, I don't know. It's your thing. Do whatever you want. I'm like, well, you're no help. Okay. So I decide <laughs> I'll go for it. <laughs> I do a hundred percent and it just broke me. I remember I called my leader and one of the questions asked, have you ever been molested? You know? And uh, I'm like, well, I, I don't know if this counts and I've never told anybody. Mm. And so I called her and I asked her and it was the very first time I'd ever even admitted, not even to someone else, but even to myself that something had actually happened. And I, I asked her, does this count? And she just, I mean, was the perfect response for me. She chuckled and she goes, of course it does. (laughs) And it was like, oh, well, it was just so lighthearted, but still so genuine. genuine. It was the exact response I needed. And so from that moment, I secretly started working through my healing through that. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until Uh, a year later that I shared my struggle with my husband about it. And 
Um, and I shared just a little bit, which we do not recommend. I did it wrong. We do, we do not recommend those partial disclosures. Um, I did not realize I was giving a partial disclosure. I thought it was the whole thing. And I think that is why we, um, we recommend saying three to five years because there was so much more of that onion mm. that I needed to peel. Yeah. I had no idea. I thought I peeled all the way down to the core and that there was nothing left after a full year of going through group. But um, little did I know that there was going to be more. Yeah. So my husband started going through his group and he is, um, he is still working on his stuff and I'm still working on my stuff. Yeah. So I can easily, I can not easily say, I guess I can thankfully and happily say that I have not watched porn since 2014. It was like, it's amazing. You know? Yeah. Amazing. And it's one. So it's, it is not something that is on my mind all the time. Um, but unfortunately it's still there. You know, we see things on TV and I watched, um, certain movies that maybe they have like a sex scene and stuff. And yeah, we fast forward through it, or maybe it has some type of sexual trauma scene and we'll fast forward through it. But I now have learned that I need to be more vigilant on what I'm watching or what I'm not yeah. watching. Cause it's still because a trigger, right? Still a trigger. Yeah. And it can even, and not even to necessarily, uh, it's not like, oh, I want to go watch porn now. It's not even a, a thing like that. It's more like, it's just there in my mind. And then all night I would be, it, all these bad memories of, of um, I feel like it's the devil's way in of just being like, man, who are you to talk? And how come you think you can help people? And you know, all these things, yeah. look, don't, don't yes. you remember what you did? Don't you remember what you looked at? Don't, you know, all these things. Yeah. Yeah. And so then that, if not focused on, if not dealt with, if that ends up getting swept under the rug, then that's where the relapse can come from. Yep. And so that whole first year, there was um, a lot of relapses and I didn't even know I was relapsing because I had not dealt with it enough. I had not actually looked it in the eyes and said, why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. instead, I just wanted to to kick the addiction away and put it under the rug and focus on substance abuse, you know, and oh, yeah. how I'm, I'm going to stay sober from that. So it is hard to give just a, a set amount of time. And it really depends on the person. It's something where I always tell people what you put into it is what you get out of it. Yes, you know, if you so are true. willing to really look mm -hmm. and in, embrace that uncomfortableness you're going to grow so fast. You're yeah. going to grow and heal so fast just because of that. But if somebody is not willing to just jump into the deep end or um, try to be in community and try to try something, then um, they're going to struggle a lot longer, which is unfortunate, you know? Yeah. Because I'm thinking of that Bible verse as well. Where it's like, God doesn't give us anything we can't handle. Um Yeah. I can't remember where it is. I'm trying to Google it. Uh, but it's it's so relevant to this that, you know, you, that first year you thought you've gone down to your core and then you're like, okay, I'm getting there. And Jesus goes, no, no, we've got a little bit more to go. You know, he's really gentle in the process. Even though it feels brutal, I can say there's something really wonderful the way God has worked through my husband and I in this journey. Of we think we're like oh we're good now we're good now and then something else happens and I'm like oh I could not have dealt with that right at the beginning yeah. it would have been too much I would have walked away from the process so yes. it is it is a don't be scared when you know girls you're hearing Sarah say three to five years and longer it's because God knows what you need um yeah yeah you know, um, I love that verse. I just looked it up while you were talking. Thank you. Um, first Corinthians 10, 13, <laughs> God go. will give you more than you can handle. Um, now the verse, it states no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but will the temptation, he will provide a way of escape. And, Love the, that. and that you may be able to endure it. Now, that to me is my, is one of my favorites because a lot of people 
you know, I've seen it on people's um, Instagrams or on their walls where, you know, God will never give you anything that you can't handle. It's also used with spiritual bypassing, you know, where they will just say, oh, you know, you'll get through it. Just pray more. God will not give you more than you can handle. And um, when you continue reading, though, it doesn't say God's going to take away the temptations. No, it it doesn't say it's going to be easy to handle. Right. Um, He wants us to lean on him. So if he was letting us have things that or if he allowed us to only have the things that we could handle personally, then we would not ever lean on him. We would not ever ask for his guidance or we would not ever have that trust. We would not need any of that because we would, we would be self-sufficient in that. And, um, and instead he is there to give us a way out or to help, um, give us that strength for whatever is tempting, uh, tempting us. And I've seen this time and time again. I mean, both in the substance abuse realm and in the sexual addiction realm, a love addiction realm. I mean, there, it's not always an easy decision. Sometimes it's a boundary we have to put up and we don't want to put up Mm -hmm. boundaries because it's hard. Yeah. (laughs) And so sometimes it's in that sense, but there's always been a choice and a way to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, you know, not go to that party or I'm not going to be in a relationship or be at a job where I feel tempted. You know, there's, it's hard decisions. There's a way to get a different job. Yeah. We don't necessarily like that option, but it's an option. <laughs> and it's, and it's, and, and God warns us that we have a cross we have to bear and we have to make choices that are going to be tough at times. Yeah. Exactly. And that's where we're not saying prayer and reading the word isn't part of the journey but it has to be in connection with all the other processes because, and this, I guess, is probably the best last question we can end on, I guess, is because um, I know I know you need to go in a second, but um, we, we've talked about spiritual bypassing and I think often when we don't know how to deal with this situation and someone comes to us and opens up, we go, oh, crap, um, the right thing to do is to <laughs> pray and to read yes. the word of God. And I have done it. I am not saying, yeah. look, I have done yeah. that in the past yep. as well. I regret <laughs> that I've done that. Um, I, I have friends and family that, um, you know, have said, suggested other people do um, intercessory prayer, things like that. Now, I'm not saying that God can't heal in a second. He can. Yeah. But yeah. there is something unbelievably unique. And I think of that passage as well where it's like, um, we need to endure and endurance creates steadfastness, strength, um, godliness, brotherly affection, character. So, yeah. you know, this is what the process looks like. And the reason why God doesn't heal us instantly, majority of the time, is because yeah. he wants us to go through the process because we learn to trust him more and we learn yeah. more about his character and his goodness. So that way we can pray more and we can read the Bible more and yeah. those habits of prayer and reading the bible then speak truth into the journey that we're going through um so knowing all that like what are some of the things we should steer away from within the church and and what can we do better to help women that are struggling with us this if we're not personally struggling with it or maybe we are as well (laughs) (laughs) yes well you know it's so good with as far as like the spiritual bypass um a simple phrase when we have faith Somebody is saying, hey, we're going to pray for you, or I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to take the necessary steps towards healing. Now, maybe that's setting boundaries or joining a recovery group, finding community, whatever that might be. Spiritual bypass is going to say, we're going to pray. We know God can heal us, so we're going to pray, and I'm not willing to do my part. I'm not going to go on the journey with you. Right. Yeah. And so the, the best thing that if a church leader is in the position where somebody comes up to them and is saying, Hey, I'm struggling in this area. The best thing for them to say is first off, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be a safe space and for you to open up about something that is so serious in your life and so vulnerable. When somebody opens up like that, it is an extremely, extremely vulnerable thing to do. And so 
the number one thing is I would just tell them, thank you for being willing to do that. And then next ask a question, you know, how can I help you? What is it that, that you need from me? Um, because that leader doesn't necessarily have to understand the situation. They don't have to uh, have walked down that path before to be able to help. They can simply just say, what is it that I can do for you? How can I help? And um, if that person's just looking for resources, then, then that's, that would be what you would need to do is say, okay, uh, within this sexual and love addiction, well, here's pure desire. Here's a ministry that they can help you. And, and they actually have a ton of answers, podcasts, blogs, right? I'm plugging it. We got all kinds of stuff. Like (laughs) a ridiculous amount of stuff. Yeah. (laughs) We do so much and it's always new stuff coming out. And so if a pastor does not, or, or a ministry leader, or even if it's just, you're a friend to somebody and you don't know the answer, you know, unfortunately, we don't always know the answers, but the, the good thing is we don't need to know the answers because there are other people That's right. that do know the answers. Yeah. yeah. And so just turning them to good resources and saying, okay, hey, here's this ministry and they can help you. Uh, here's an email or here is a podcast that I think is right up your alley. You know, yeah. um, those types of things saying, instead of saying, I'll pray for you, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, um, that can be very dismissive Mm -hmm. if somebody, especially if it's, um, if they're struggling themselves or they're struggling even with betrayal, you know, uh, of, from a spouse that struggles in that way, hearing, I'm so sorry, I'll be praying for you. That can sound very uh, hurtful. And it's, and you would think it wouldn't because those are really nice words, but it makes a person feel like they, they were not valued. They were not heard. Uh, Their pain is not valued and, and it's only worth a prayer and that's it. Uh, Versus if somebody can say, you know, thank you. And I'm sorry. And here's some resources. What can I do for you? Would you like prayer? Can I pray with you right now? Do you want to meet up weekly? What can we do? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because this is the thing. It's a journey. I mean, you touched on betrayal, um, betrayal and beyond. I don't know. Do you even still, is that still a thing? Betrayal and beyond? We do. Actually, we're, we're coming out with some new betrayal and beyond material. So keep a lookout for that later in the year. Yeah. So I'll, so I am doing an episode with, um, Jen and, Dan? Dan? Yeah, Dan. It's <laughs> like, oh no. The Howies, Jen and Dan yeah. Howie. Yeah. They're amazing. You're going to love Great. them. Right. So we're going to talk about yeah. marriage and what that looks like from that perspective. Awesome. But again, it's a long journey. It's a it really is. long journey when trust has been broken in a marriage. Um, yes. So again, don't sweep it under the rug. And I think right. when you're touching on that, like saying, I'll pray for you, it's almost like when someone's grieving, we go, oh, well, at least they're with God now or because right. we want to fix the problem. So we think praying yeah. is fixing the problem, well-intended, yeah. but it can actually do more harm and stop that person from opening up. Exactly. And, you know, that's something I've learned in other different types of recovery groups. Uh, one of my very first recovery groups, I sat there with 20 women. <laughs> I was so large <laughs> and so uncomfortable, <laughs> but but it was exactly what I needed. And I sat there and the leader said, okay, we have tissues on the table. If you need one, you can grab one, but do not hand it to somebody that's crying. And at first I thought, ouch, that is harsh. (laughs) Yeah. But she explained it and it makes so much sense. When we see somebody crying, a lot of times as women, especially, we immediately grab a tissue and hand it to that person to console them. And what that does is that says, I'm uncomfortable with you crying. So please stop now. Clean up, clean up yourself. Yes. Pull it together. Let's not do that anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and so when we simply respond with, well, at least this, or at least that, or I'll pray for you. And, um, it, it does sound nice, but it is bypassing, um, the true pain and with, and covering it with something that's nice simply because we feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And the sad thing is I'm sure they feel way more uncomfortable than we do. And, um, and so really just embracing that uncomfortableness and just sitting in that with that person, that alone 
can bring healing. Uh, and that's, that's one of the reasons why the groups are so good because yep. we're not giving advice. We're not um, doing any what's considered crosstalk. We are sharing our own stuff and we are crying. And sometimes it's ugly crying. Sometimes yeah, it's, it's laughing. Not sometimes. <laughs> yes. Oh, so bad. And the anger that comes out. I mean, yeah. so many emotions, but we're all sitting in it and, and we're all there in it together. Um, it's just a, it's a, it's really beautiful. I mean, I feel like I'm at church when I'm in a group. I feel like that's how church should be. That's fantastic. That's yeah. Sarah, you nailed it. You've really done well. I feel like we've covered a lot. You've been so concise. I've loved it. This has been so good. Um, I have been wanting to do this for since the podcast has started. I like really, this is something really heavy on my heart. So women that are listening, we love you. There is so much out there to help you. You are not alone. You can reach out um, via Her Theology Instagram or Facebook page or you can email hertheology at gmail.com if you want to like reach out and start that journey and you just need a bit of help and I can pass you on Sarah's details or I can pass you on to Pure Desire's website or I can let you know if there's anyone else in Sydney or New South Wales that I know of. Yes. Um, but girls, you are not alone. Like Sarah said, there's so many resources and content and people out there that are really experienced and have been on this journey for a long time that can help you. Yeah. Um, I know you guys also offer counselling, like one-on-one sessions, don't you, online? Yes, we do. Yeah. So and many. you can even do like a free counselling uh, little session, 15-minute session. And so right. I always recommend that to people because you, even if you're questioning it, you know, you can sit with somebody for 15 minutes talk with them see if it's going to be a right move you know you can try before you buy exactly (laughs) yeah I love it (laughs) well Sarah thank you so much for coming on um I'm going to link Pure Desire's website and all that sort of stuff in our episode notes so anyone can see it on there as well um but thank you for your time I'm sure you've got little ones to go look after I really appreciate it um and girls from that are listening if you like this episode please share it with your friends and your family because I feel like you're definitely going to know some women out there that need help as well so um I'll catch you next week ladies